0: All right, welcome to Locked On Warriors, your podcast on all things Warriors. I'm Wes Goldberg, Warriors beat writer for the Mercury News. Got a great show for you today. I'm going to be joined by the hosts of Locked On Grizzlies, Locked On Suns, and Locked On Pelicans for my series taking stock of the Warriors competition in the West. With the offseason pretty much over, I think this is a good way to catch up with what the other teams have done and are doing and what their expectations are going into this next season. So we'll start with the Grizzlies then get to the suns and then wrap up with the pelicans enjoy you are locked on warriors your daily golden state warriors podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day I'm here now with Sean Coleman, the host of Locked On Grizzlies, and an interesting offseason for Memphis. Uh, some some interesting changes. They trade for John Rondo, Stephen Adams, Jarrett Culver. They draft Zaire Williams uh, in the lottery. Overall, what are your thoughts on the Grizzlies' offseason, Sean?
1: Yeah, a lot of activity. First off, hello, Wes. Thank you for having me. Um, a lot of activity on the Grizzlies' end probably not as much certainty, not the type of activity you would expect from a team that made the playoffs of the second year of a rebuild. You would think with this much activity, they probably would try to make an upgrade in terms of getting immediate value. But what they did was they basically took present value in pieces that they didn't see here long-term in Jonas Valanciunas and to a smaller extent, Grayson Adams. And they went out and they got some roster balance by really deepening the intriguing potential of wing players on this team, and then, and, you know, drafting Zaire Williams, getting Jarrett Culver, also got a viable replacement for Jonas Valanciunas in Steven Adams they you know after the season they talked about the focus remains on the future they made moves to balance out their roster to try to make it more balanced for the future have still remained in my opinion at least somewhat competitive in the present but at the end of the day I think they accomplished both goals and using present value to get future assets while remaining competitive next season
0: was that the priority was to address the wing depth because I know they did that what are they specifically looking for there
1: yeah, I think that that was a big goal for for the season or for this off season. Um, you know, obviously coming into you know the playoffs last year, you had Jaw with intriguing backups in terms of the backcourt in uh, Desmond Bain and uh, DeAnthony Melton. In the front court, you've got your main guy Jaron Jackson Jr. Tillman Clark backing him up on the wing. It was great to see what you had in Dylan Brooks. You're not sure Kyle Anderson is a long-term fit, but the Grizzlies needed more size and they needed more skill. They needed players who were able to at least on one side of the court or the other be able to make a high degree of impact. And with Zaire Williams, though it's going to be a while before we see that, you get a, a great blend of shot creation, playmaking, plus a guy who potentially can be alright on defense and in Jarrett Culver, you have size and skill when it comes to the defensive end of the court. So the the point was was to get size and skill on the wing that could impact multiple positions on both ends of the court and you certainly hope with the investment in Williams as well as Culver we'll see to what degree that is you at least hope to see that with the Grizzlies ability to develop players they'll make the most of that blend of size and skill
0: you may have already answered this question a little bit but how did making the playoffs last season affect this team's timeline because it is a young team but they're obviously able to be pretty successful
1: it didn't really affect their timeline as far as speeding things up or, you know, making the Grizzlies feel that, you know, the what they had in place was all of a sudden going to be a contender. It, it wasn't. The way that the Grizzlies made the playoffs over the last two seasons, or at least being the playoff picture – They made the most of the roster that they had. However, this front office clearly knows that with their style of play, a defensive-oriented approach that also focused a lot on producing in the paint, that probably is not going to make you move much in the playoffs. So they're looking to open it up a bit more, get a bit more balanced in terms of successfully shooting from distance. So I think that it was great for this young core to know they can overachieve, they can exceed expectations, and there's a great young core here that loves to play together and through that, loves to play to the best of their ability, but also this front office knows that the style needs to change. The roster still needs to evolve, so it didn't really change their timeline that much other than providing confidence to the core that's already here that they can make the most of their abilities.
0: As the host of Locked On Grizzlies, what is the biggest storyline that you're watching for, at least in the beginning of the season?
1: Jaron Jackson Jr., that, that's the simple, straightforward answer. Um, he was the one missing component of last season, obviously due to his injury. This year, he's going to be the linchpin on where exactly the Grizzlies to go after this season. Is he the true number two to John Morant as being a franchise cornerstone for a team that wants to be a contender in the future. Can he get back to being fully healthy and stay healthy? Can he combine his shooting from his second year with the overall improvements in his secondary skills from when he came back in his third year? Him staying healthy, getting more consistent, showing extended flashes of what he can be on offense and defense. That's the storyline for next season, the health and overall progression of Jaron Jackson Jr.
0: What kind of leap do you expect from John Morant?
1: I think that John Morant can easily be in the all-star conversation. I think that, I'm not necessarily saying he'll be an all-star, but I think that if you go back and you look, especially from a statistical standpoint, Wes, if you go and look at what he did from April on, last season. And look at how his three-point shooting improved and how he improved his ability to know when to be an elite playmaker and when to be an elite scorer and know the balance of when to do one or the other or even both. I think that that is certainly something that he can be more consistent at himself. I'm not saying that he's definitely going to be an all-star. I do think that the difference between this year or between next year and this past year is that you could see him having a legitimate case. That's where I think he could take the leap, and I I think that certainly within the realm of possibility is a 20.8 assist a night producer that the Grizzlies are sorely going to need with their offense needing to remain consistent.
0: All right, let's have some fun, okay? There's recent reports saying that the Grizzlies are open to maybe trading Kyle Anderson and Dylan Brooks. You hit me in my Twitter DMs thinking that, hey, maybe the Warriors would be a good landing spot for those guys. What would the Grizzlies be looking for in exchange for one of Kyle Anderson and Dylan Brooks? they're probably looking
1: for one or two things. They're probably wanting a a bit of an overpay in terms of a future asset uh, from a contender that feels Dylan Brooks or Kyle Anderson can sustain what they did last year. Or potentially using Kyle Anderson or Dylan Brooks as a way to go get a player who is an upgrade and could be controlled long term above them for things that are out there right now. I mentioned the Warriors because I'd love to have a convers. I'd love for the Grizzlies to have a conversation. What could the Grizzlies do using, you know, potentially Kyle Anderson, for instance, to lead to maybe getting a young prospect like a Jordan Poole, a James Wiseman, a Moses Moody or a Jonathan Kaminga? Probably not realistic that you're going to get any of those four for Kyle Anderson straight up, but could a bigger deal happen to get another truly intriguing long-term piece for a present asset? Or, you know, there is the name Ben Simmons that is out there. I don't necessarily feel that strongly that the Grizzlies are going to make that move or that it makes the most sense to make that move, but that is the type of move that makes sense for the Grizzlies to use with Kyle Anderson or Dylan Brooks, taking that sort of player, making them the main current NBA talent in a package along with picks and whatever have you to go get an upgrade that really could be that third piece with jaw and Jaron to allow for the Grizzlies to become the sustainable winner. They hope to be for the next decade.
0: I love Dylan Brooks. and I like Kyle Anderson. Um, if I'm the warriors, I think moving James Wiseman's probably too rich for those guys you know I think Dylan Brooks would certainly be exact with Clay Thompson's health being as uncertain as it is I think Dylan Brooks would be an ideal person to kind of fill in at shooting guard while Clay is out and then potentially you know kind of be that that, that super six man when Clay comes back but um, yeah like the idea of a Jordan pool or something like that works but how do you make the salaries work and and all of that uh, I just doesn't really seem feasible. They're not going to give up Kaminga or Moody for any of those guys. So um, you can't even take like Andrew Wiggins and start splitting his contract. And he's not really that guy that you're talking about as far as locked up long term. He's got two more years left. But, you know, that's no it's, different than what Dylan Brooks is.
1: It's a hard trade to make sense in a lot of different ways. And what I'll say is this, when it comes to Dylan Brooks or Kyle Anderson, I can certainly see moves that in the vacuum make sense. But the other thing that factors into this is, Both of those players are sensible to keep around for when the Grizzlies want to contend next, and they're both beloved by the franchise and the fan base. Unlike Jonas Valanciunas and Grayson Allen, where you probably had a bit of room for error in the type of return that you got, you've got to make sure you get it right if you're trading Kyle Anderson or Dylan Brooks, in my opinion. That's why it makes a trade hard to actually work out in the end.
0: Why do you question the Ben Simmons stuff there? Because that seems like a really interesting pairing. Him and John ja Moran, I know that there's some shooting concerns, but if you believe that Ja's going to come around and 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 ultimately end up, you know, being a serviceable three-point shooter, then maybe it's not as much of an issue. Like, where are you on that?
1: Yeah, it's, it's a great question to ask. And the thing at the end of the day is this, is that, If the Grizzlies were to go after Ben Simmons, there's so many layers where it makes sense. He's a young player that fits our timeline. He's the type of player that a small market should target because he's a buy low option right now. He's the type of player that could anchor our defense when we've already got young players like Jaron and Jaw in place. The reason why I question it a bit is because with the price and in terms of the players and the prospects, it'll take in the long-term investment you're making in him – where Ben Simmons' strengths and weaknesses lie, they very much mimic what the Grizzlies already have in place. You've got a defensive-oriented player who his main offensive contribution is his playmaking, but he sh- but his shot is certainly a big struggle. That is, in essence... The definition of the Grizzlies roster. To make the investment the Grizzlies would have to make in him as being the one big move to complement Jaw and Jaron, I think that's really investing and that's really being confident in Jaw shooting, which is perfectly fine. I think Jaw shooting will come around. But with what it will take to get Ben Simmons, in my opinion, I would rather go after a player who does a better job of addressing our overall shot creation and shooting weaknesses as the one big move than going after a player like Ben Simmons, who, yes, he's very skilled, young, certainly has upside, I think. But at the end of the day, I'd rather go after a player who more addresses our weaknesses than going after a player who basically has the same weaknesses in and of himself that the Grizzlies already have. I just don't know if a one-two pairing of jaw and Ben long-term gives the Grizzlies their best chance of really becoming a true contender over the next three to five years.
0: Sean Coleman does a great job with Locked On Grizzlies. Thanks for jo- uh, joining on uh, joining the show, man. Appreciate it. Always a pleasure talking with you, Wes. Thank you, sir. Guys, there are a few things in life that just aren't fun to talk about, and one of them is excessive sweating. You know, when you're sweating through your shirts for no reason at all, it's embarrassing, isn't it? But the only way to solve the problem is to admit that you have a problem. For me, I sweat a ton. There are some days when I'll go through three shirts in a day. Seriously. Look, I I know this isn't life and death, and there are much worse problems in the world, but let's be honest, in the moment, it feels like a big deal. Nobody likes to sweat a ton during an important speech, during an interview, or, God forbid, a first date. I'd much rather not worry about it. That's why I use SweatBlock antiperspirant wipes. SweatBlock is stronger and more effective than most clinical antiperspirants. You simply apply it the night before, go to bed, and then the next morning, you wake up, wash, and go about your day without worrying about sweat, guaranteed. I know this is going to sound too good to be true, but I literally only have to use Sweatblock once or twice a week, and it keeps me dry the whole time. No more pitting out, no more picking my shirts based on which one will hide the sweat better. If you or someone you love is dealing with this, you have to check out Sweatblock. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with the promo code LOCKEDON or at Amazon and CVS. It's that time of year again, and all eyes are now turned to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the football season. And as always... BetOnline is your number one spot for all of the pro and college football action this season. Get all of the updated odds, props, and contests, including the Internet's biggest half-million-dollar NFL Mega Contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL Survivor Contest, open now at BetOnline. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That means they are going to match your initial deposit with a welcome bonus. Be sure to take advantage of their opening day super promo. Make a bet on Thursday's September 9th season opener between the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25 for new customers only when signing up and using that promo code NFL100. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports from football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the great offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. And I'm here with Brendan Clean, the host of Locked On Suns, and uh, he's going to help me break down what the Phoenix Suns did this off season. Uh, they bring in JaVale McGee, they added Landry Shamit, they re-signed Chris Paul, which I guess was the most important thing that they could have done. Brendan, was this a successful off Do you think for Phoenix?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, coming off of the finals, I felt like running it back was probably the thing that made the most sense. I mean, we didn't see superstar players move this offseason, and if you're not going to be able to do that, you obviously want to get Chris Paul back, because he is one, and then fill in some of the holes that we saw really, you know, be a, a problem for them during that finals run. You know, a backup center, as as small as that might seem, you know, they really had nothing there by the end, with Saric tearing his ACL and the playoffs and and everything else they didn't really address that position so mcgee is one of the best that that there is as far as a backup goes and yeah they got some more shooting they got a little younger um you know maybe some some bigger moves still to be made as they keep building this young roster out but i think all in all they they got done what they needed to get done
0: when you say bigger moves to be made made as they build out the young roster like what do you mean exactly by that
2: well, I mean, I think, you know, part of what we're seeing across the NBA, and I think the Suns really did it as well, is to get some tradable contracts. We still have the, um, you know, extensions for DeAndre Ayton and Mikhail Bridges coming up here for Phoenix, and we, we'll see what that looks like. You know, is it going to be a max for DeAndre Ayton? Is it going to fall somewhere below that? You know, what does Mikael Bridges' market look like? What contract does he get? Is it, you know, a Jonathan Isaac? Is it more than that? Is it less than that? So, you know, I think they're 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 a little more flexible in terms of the trades that they can make and obviously Chris Paul was huge to get back but they didn't commit to him for more than really 3 years. They can get out of it after 2 without too much uh, punishment, punishments. 15 million guaranteed in that third year. So, you know, I think they're they're probably looking toward a time where, you know, Chris Paul is either going to be at the, the a different port, part of his career, a different portion of his career and And looking like less a lesser player and and what does that look like who's our point guard how do we keep being a great team after that so I think we saw some of the beginnings of that planning stage we'll see more of it with these extensions and uh, you know we'll see how they move forward but they, they did get that flexibility on top of just bringing the talent back.
0: So the Suns have one of the best records in the league last season. They obviously get to the NBA Finals. They have a Hall of Famer in Chris Paul. They have an All-Star in Devin Booker. DeAndre Ayton seems to have made a leap. Uh, And yet, people don't take them seriously. People are still not taking them seriously after they lost in the Finals. Um, What are your expectations for the Suns? Do you expect them to remain at or near the top of the Western Conference?
2: I do. I do. I think the regular season... I don't see any reason why they shouldn't be vying for a a top two or three seed. Again, they have a roster that's pretty ready made to compete in the regular season. They don't have any injuries that they're going to have to worry about. Like some of the teams in the West, they have youth, they have a coach who um, for better or worse places, guys heavy minutes, even during the regular season, they will be more, I think probably, you know, cohesive in year two with this group together. They had about a month, To get Chris Paul integrated, so now they'll they'll basically have had a year of him being around to hopefully hit the ground running together in this regular season. So all of that to me makes me feel pretty optimistic. We know though that the regular season is a pretty different thing than the playoffs, so I think that's probably where you're seeing the doubt creep in. Is you know what is what what would our expectations be for this Suns team if um they had lost to the Lakers in the first round, for instance, or Mm. lost to the Clippers. If Kawhi Leonard had been healthy in the conference finals, would we be looking at them differently? And I think what you're seeing is Vegas or, you know, some of these other national outlets, probably looking at them more through that lens than, oh, wow, this team was two wins away from a championship.
0: What's the biggest X factor for the Suns this season?
2: It's, it's if DeAndre Eaton or Mikhail Bridges can, can become more of a scorer, um, I think we all know that the best teams in the NBA, the teams that are really that that championship caliber, like they have not just two guys who can create offense, even if that's, you know, somebody off the bench, even if that is, you know, just sort of the the overall playmaking of their team, there's a lot of ways to get there. But right now the Suns are a team where really it's Devin Booker, it's Chris Paul and and the rest of the guys sort of fill a role and, and a pretty small role for the most part at that. So that, that really burned them when Chris Paul had, you know, the multiple different injuries he was dealing with through the course of the playoffs, which were not extreme by any means, but you saw, you know, 15, 20% less than than the best version of Chris Paul kind of hurt them. I mean, it didn't kind of hurt them. It, it really screwed them at times. So that's the big thing. Can Mikhail Bridges, who who did some of that at Villanova, but hasn't really shown it for the three years in the NBA. Kim DeAndre Ayton, as you said, he did take a little bit of a leap in the postseason, but Consistency's always been his biggest issue is that something he can be counted on to do for 82 or you know 100 games over the course of a season um, that's where I start to wonder um, if if they can actually take a step forward because if those guys can do that they will take a step forward but we you know we're three years in for both of them and there hasn't been a lot of signs and then you start to wonder where well where else is it going to come from so this is sort of a, you know, the extension talk and the, the, the pressure on them to, to get better. I think all of that puts those two guys in really clear focus for some fans.
0: It's interesting that a lot of the conversation so far has been about development, about the young guys. This is a team that was just in the NBA Finals, right? And usually when you hear a team that's at the NBA Finals, everything is about, well, how can we repeat? How can we get back to where we were? And again, I'll go like a lot of this is just about getting more out of Macal Bridges, DeAndre Ayton, even Devin Booker, other guys on that roster. Um, so, I, I what would define to you? What would define success for the Suns this season? Is it absolutely just get anything less than getting back to the finals would be a disappointment? Like what? What are you looking at as far as what a successful season looks like for the Suns?
2: That's a good question. I mean, I think the way that I probably would frame it is success would probably be pretty similar to what I thought success would look like last year, because I was pretty optimistic that the additions they made last off season, just putting Chris Paul into this mix, Jay Crowder into this mix was going to do quite a bit for them. I mean, I thought they had a chance at a three seed even before the season started last year, they obviously exceeded even that, but surprised a lot of people didn't necessarily surprise me too much in terms of the regular season, but I think the playoffs is obviously where it's going to really, count so I would say it's a deep playoff run and, and I guess you would maybe say you kind of have to make it to the conference finals otherwise you know you you don't feel great about what happened for you after making the finals the previous year the West is so odd to me that that it's hard I'm sure that's part of the reason you're doing this series is to, to make sense of it because between injuries and, and new additions and everything else it's it's hard to kind of predict what will happen But I think that they obviously still have the goods to be a championship contender. I think of this team as one that is capable of winning the title next season. I guess my, you know, the hedging with regard to, you know, Bridges and and Aiden and some of these young guys getting better is, well, we saw very clear limitations creep up when they faced a a great, all time great player in Giannis, or even, you know, two of them in the first round in, in AD and LeBron. So we know. Well, the, the, what the edge is for this Suns team and they were not able to sort of leap across it last year and if they're wanting to do it obviously they are in 2022 then I think it's pretty clear what needs to happen so they have the ability we know what it's going to take it's just a matter of will it happen so I, I think expectations should be really high but um, you know that's true for a number of contenders and it's it's very hard to get that last step done.
0: Which team do you view as the biggest threat to Phoenix getting back to the finals?
2: Back to the finals? I did a show on this earlier in the week, and I couldn't help but feel like, you know, all things considered, most of the threats are in the East right now. I mean, I think that if you're just looking in August, before we've seen some of these Western Conference teams play, especially, you know, the Warriors with Clay coming back and, and the way that their team looks a little different in addition to the Lakers. And what's that going to look like? There's a lot more uncertainty Whereas the East, you know, we know what those, those teams are capable of. We know for the most part, what they look like, maybe the heat have some question marks, but as far as getting to the pro, getting to the finals, I mean, I think it's probably the Lakers and the Warriors. I mean, that's been sort of what Vegas has said. I, I don't really buy the jazz. I don't feel like they've done enough to, to be able to look different and be more versatile and handle the playoffs in a, in a really meaningfully better way. I don't know about the Nuggets or the Clippers until we see what they look like by the end of next season, and that's a long way away. So, you know, I think just by star power and, and cohesion and chemistry, I would say the Warriors and Lakers have to be there. That's sort of what Vegas has said as well. I'm not super bought in on what the Lakers are, though. So that's part of the reason I just feel like the Suns will, will be able to have a pretty successful regular season. And then It'll be a different conversation to have by next May and June of what everyone else looks like.
0: He's Brendan Clean. He does an awesome job with Locked On Suns. Thanks, man, for jumping on. I appreciate the time. Anytime, man. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questions and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing only the brands their warehouse happens to carry. You have a computer with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership? Rock Auto is a family business. Serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you could need. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and then write locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection. Reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Let's talk about Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, but unlike most protein bars, it actually tastes good, and it's good for you. Built Bar is great for health-conscious men and women, whether you want to maintain or lose weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Built Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high in fiber. They have plenty of delicious flavors available now. Coconut, Cherry barcia, Raspberry, Mint Brownie, Double Chocolate, Salted Caramel, Strawberry, Orange, Cookies & Cream, And German chocolate. I'm not lying when I tell you I have five boxes of Built Bars in my apartment right now. I have mint brownie, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, and double chocolate. And I've really been enjoying the orange. Uh, If you don't have a favorite yet, you can get a mixed box where you'll get two each of nine flavors. I highly recommend that. To those of you who will be new to Built Bar, not only is Built Bar the best tasting protein bar I've ever had, but it's healthy too. Check out these macros. 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories from 130 to 180, only 4 to 5 grams of sugar, and only 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. This is perfect for every diet. Amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy. Go to built.com. use that promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off on your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. I'm here now with Jake Madison of Locked on Pelicans to wrap up the Pelicans offseason. And they made a lot of moves, right? They bring in Devontae Graham. They lose uh, Alonzo Ball. They fire Stan Van Gundy. In comes Willie Green. Um, So the big question, Jake, is did the Pelicans get better?
3: You know, that's kind of the million dollar question, or or I guess, you know, you can almost call it a $200 million question, depending on if Zion's going to think they've improved enough for him to kind of sign that rookie extension that he's going to be eligible for this offseason. You know, I, I think they did. I think they got a little bit better, you know, adding Devonte Graham, who's a great shooter, who sh- who's going to have more court gravity than Lonzo Ball and maybe fits a little bit better as an improvement. I think Valanciunas is a slight improvement, though not much of one over Steven Adams. You know, this team should hopefully be healthy going into next season. They're banking on a lot of internal growth. And then you throw in a new head coach that the guys should actually get along with rather than the dumpster fire situation that you had with Stan Gundy. That means they should be better. Are they going to be significantly improved? That's the part that I'm a little bit unsure about. So I think they're better. I just don't know if it's enough to get them out of, say, the play-in tournament
0: range. You used the word dumpster fire with Stan Van Gundy. At what point in the season did you – it was only one season he got. At one point did you start seeing smoke from that dumpster?
3: Uh, fairly early on, you could see that he and guys, particularly Brandon Ingram weren't, weren't vibing is maybe the best way to put it. You know, I, all of the stuff that people kind of feared about Stan Van Gundy, just not being a more modern NBA head coach, right? He talks a good game on social media. People thought he would fit with the players because of that, but he wants to go through drills and do practice differently than these guys have kind of been brought up doing it and different than they did under Alvin Gentry, which was, you know, lesser practices, more of a player's coach. They just didn't respond well to that. They didn't really connect with him. You know, the COVID season certainly didn't help things with that too. the, the limitations you have for all of that. But it was pretty early on that you realized this wasn't going to work with the players. And then, he didn't want to take orders from David Griffin and David Griffin wants to have his hands in things like rotations, combos between certain guys playing style and Stan Van Gundy is more of an old school coach. That's like, this is my team. I'm going to do it my way. That just led to a situation where, yeah, you've got to fire him more or less after one year.
0: And Warriors fans will remember Willie green from his time as an assistant in golden state. What are your early impressions of him as coach?
3: You know, it, it's looked good. They did incredibly well in Summer League going 5-0. and oh. They really responded well to him, at least the guys that were there. And it's not many guys that are going to be getting significant minutes on the NBA roster this year, but you saw them – playing hard for him, responding well to him, feeling good about him. And that was just not at all the case Understand Van Gundy. You know, I think having a guy that's a former player is really important. And you're seeing that kind of be a big trend around the NBA right now when it comes to not just head coaches, right? But assistant coaches, but Jared Dudley getting hired immediately after more or less retiring by the Dallas Mavericks. Guys that can relate to these players and the experiences that they've gone through a little bit more. I think the early returns have looked good for Willie Green and I think he's going to be an improvement over Stan Van Gundy
0: what's the key storyline you're watching because you mentioned Zion Williamson obviously there's a new head coach I mean but for just for you as a host of a lockdown uh, of lockdown belligans what's sort of the most interesting storyline what's the thing that you're watching the most know the uh, it's there's really one big thing to me when
3: it comes to this team and that's you know they're banking on a lot of internal growth while they made a lot of moves and we just kind of went over them i don't know if those are significantly big upgrades right they didn't end up signing the point guard that they wanted in kyle Lowry. they made a run at chris paul that didn't end up happening they didn't have any of those reinforcements really come in marginal upgrades i think at best So if you want to significantly improve from what they were last season, and they were 31 and 41, they weren't good, right? You need to do it through internal growth. That's going to mean a guy like Zion Williamson taking another leap forward. Brandon Ingram taking a leap, ideally on the defensive side of the ball. But you're also going to need a guy like Nikhil Alexander-Walker to step in and potentially be a starter as a third-year player. Good size, good length there, has all the tools, but he hasn't really been able to put it together. And without guys like that, and maybe Jackson Hayes when some of his legal issues kind of play out, if those guys take the leap, this team should be pretty competitive. They should be looking at maybe the sixth seed or so and out of the play-in tournament range. If they don't, they're in the play-in tournament range. And that's going to keep the narrative and the discussion around what will Zion Williamson do next, you know, fueled going forward. So if they are sticking true to their process and these guys take a leap, like they're banking on this team's going to look good and set up for the future, but that's a big if, and that's what I'm going to really be watching for, at least for the first half of the season or so.
0: Brandon Ingram to me is the most interesting guy on that team because of all the players, right. He's kind of got the makings of being able to be, you know, that number two next to Zion Williamson being the number one. I know that there's some concerns about their fit and things like that. Every Warriors fan in my mentions wants to trade Andrew Wiggins for Brandon Ingram. And can you just put the kibosh on that really quick? Like, that's never happened. <laughs> like, why would the Pelicans ever do that?
3: No, that w- that's not going to happen. Look, I-, I don't think there's very many untouchable players and certainly the only untouchable on this roster here is Zion Williamson. But it's going to take a whole lot to trade for Brandon Ingram. And if they're trading him, They're going to be getting someone back better than him is kind of the way that I would see this Mm -hmm. going. This is a guy who was an all-star a year ago. And then last season, even though he wasn't an all-star, put up identical numbers, like literally almost identical numbers. If you go compare his past two seasons to the point where he averaged 23.8 points per game during both of them. So he easily, in a sense, could have been an all-star again this past season. I actually think he fits well with Zion Williamson. I'm not really yeah. of the mindset that these two don't fit together. It's, the, it's kind of weird to me. So going back to the whole, the numbers are exactly the same, all-star level numbers. His shot profile was very different, right? Because you have Zion Williamson and because the t- team's packed the paint against New Orleans to take that away, but he's such a good shooter, kind of Kevin Durant light in that mid-range, that he can have a worse shot profile or less efficient shot profile and still average the same points per game and all of the same numbers per game. That means he's working well with Zion Williamson, right? It doesn't mean that his numbers are tanking because he can't do what he normally wants to do. So if people look at him and think, Oh, they don't fit. It's just because they want Brandon Ingram, you know, they're a fan of his and they want him to be the star and the man on a team. And that's fine, but he works really well as a number two and complement Zion. I think, so there's no reason to move on from him unless those two guys start feuding. And that's not the case.
0: Right. And that's kind of what Willie Green is brought in to, to, to do and manage as well. I think there's a lot of maybe Giannis, Chris Middleton type of dynamic there, right? Where you've got Zion dominating in the paint. You got Brandon Ingram kind of being that traditional sort of throwback go-to score. Um, what do you think is the biggest X factor for New Orleans?
3: You know, it still goes back to that, you know, internal growth. I think, you know, that, that's the big thing to me, that's kind of like what the season is banking on since they didn't do a ton in free agency. And look, if you look around the national media, people are kind of killing them, right? To a degree of like, what were they doing this off season? It doesn't look very good. You know, with some of the pressure on from Zion Williamson, the expectation or the need to take a, a significant step forward is there. You know, Devonte Graham's not going to do that. Jonas Valanciunas, who's not actually a court spacer is not going to do that it's going to be guys like Nikhil taking a step forward Brandon Ingram really committing on the defensive side of the ball or point Zion being like fully unleashed so that's kind of the biggest thing the those are unknown right you know Brandon Ingram is entering his what sixth year in the league at this point if he was going to be a force defensively you'd likely have already started to see it I don't know if that's going to be the case with what Zion's doing offensively every single night does he have it in him the energy to commit on the defensive side, kind of the biggest X factors to me, but the other thing could be is do they get aggressive at the trade deadline and get Kyle Lowry's and those big names out there, even if you overpay for them, right? They reportedly, and who knows how true this was offered Chris Paul, something along the lines of three years, a hundred million dollars. That's more average per year than what he got in Phoenix. And he said, no, if you're not going to be a free agent destination, you need to to cash in a lot more of those chips that you got in the Drew Holiday deal in the Anthony Davis trade to get in another player that can really help you take a step forward. They should be more active at this trade deadline, I think, than they were last since there's no real point in hoarding that cap space if you're not going to be able to sign people, you know, give that money away in a sense. So I think another X factor would be, do they swing for the fences and make some sort of significant trade at the trade deadline? Probably not a Damian Lillard-esque move or Bradley Beal-esque move, but do they go for someone you know, kind of above their, their punching grade in free agency to try and bring in and really complement Zion and BI. And if they end up using a lot of those first round picks and go with quantity over quality, they could swing a deal that kind of changes the trajectory of their season pretty quickly.
0: You mentioned the internal growth, the potential to grab somebody maybe at the deadline and things like that. This is also a team that hasn't um, made the playoffs in a few years. Uh, what would defi- Is that what would define success this year? Is there still sort of an expectation that, hey... We got to make the playoffs.
3: Yeah, I'd say so, you know, in, in some capacity, right? I think, you know, if they get into the playing tournament, which is not particularly high bar to clear, it's finished in the top 10 in your conference. That's that's an important thing for them. If they miss the playoffs this year, it, it's gonna be looked at pretty poorly. That Zion not making the playoffs his first three years in the league, which you know seems worse than it probably actually is, but he's gonna be eligible for an extension this offseason. If he says no to that, can you imagine what you know the media frenzy around the team is going to be? And it's going to be nothing good and it's going to be a distraction going forward. So just to quell that down, I think, to a certain degree, making the playoffs, ideally not the playing tournament being better than that, I think would go a long way towards kind of reestablishing the Pelicans as kind of that young up and coming team that people expect them to be. And I think that would help Zion feel maybe good his family about, you know, where they are in new Orleans and where this team is heading. So at the very minimum, it's the play in tournament, but it feels like it should be a little bit
0: more than that. Jake Madison, the host of locked on Pelicans. You can find him over there. You can also find him on Wednesdays on locked on NBA. Jake, thanks for doing this, man. Of course. Thanks for having me on. All right, that's it for today. Thanks again to Sean, Brendan, and Jake for joining me. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to get the newest episodes of Locked on Warriors. As always, you can reach me on Twitter at Goldberg. Thanks for listening.